0: Greeted you. It's great to see you here this morning. My name is Ruth. I'm part of the church family here, and um, it's my privilege to be sharing some things that I feel God's given me for this morning. Now, we're continuing our series, To Be or Not to Be, and we've already looked at the area of humility. And then last week, Martin and Luke brilliantly helped us look at the subject of purity, and I am on the subject of anxiety. And uh, I have absolutely no doubt that when that subject was announced, when we kind of gave a little bit of a heads up as to what we were going to be doing, some of you thought, great, bring it on. I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. I thought the same. And interestingly, even preparing for today has induced a certain amount of anxiety. So there you go. Yeah. So this is very much for all of us. I include myself in this. I'm Not someone who has got it sussed. In fact, if you think you have got this anxiety thing sussed, then I've got news for you that is not the case because anxiety will come and knocking at your door at different times during your life. But I do want to make three points before we get into the main part of what I want to say this morning. So firstly, I want to acknowledge that feeling anxious a lot of the time can be extremely overwhelming for anyone. It can be debilitating, and make you feel miserable, which in turn can make you feel more anxious. I don't want to minimise the difficulty or underestimate the challenges anxiety can bring. And it might be for some of you that your anxiety is so considerable that part of what you would need to do is to go and seek medical advice. Secondly, I also want to say that being anxious is not a sign of failure. I'll come back to this a bit later on. But experiencing anxiety doesn't somehow mean that you have failed or you are an inadequate or indifferent Christian. It's not a shameful thing or an indicator of weakness. And I I think it's important to say that right from the off. And thirdly, I just want to say a little bit about my recent story. We, um, Colin and myself, Colin's my husband, we are very much in a season of transition. And some of that has been that in recent months, the last four months, we've had three family bereavements. Um, My aunt and then my uncle died before Christmas And my mother-in-law died um, a few weeks ago. We've actually got her funeral on Tuesday. So we've just been going through a season of kind of um, grief and bereavement. And that in and of itself brings a certain amount of anxiety. Some of it's practical, what's going to happen with this? Some of it's dealing with your own emotions. Some of it you, you then, or I have found myself looking at, well, what happens when this then happens? And you go sort of three or four steps further down the track... And uh, you realise that some of your thinking has become anxiety. So we're all in this boat together. However, I'm not going to say that and stop there. I'm going to move on and have a look at what is anxiety, what the Bible has to say, and what we can then do in partnership with God to actually fight some battles. So firstly, what is anxiety? I, I always like going to the dictionary definition. It kind of... Nails it in some ways. Anyway, the dictionary said, a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Now, that actually is all well and good, but it does sound a bit cold and distant for something, a feeling that a number of us might be experiencing, even as I'm talking to you right at this moment. And for a number of you, anxiety will be something that you experience regularly. It's not just anxiety about will I pass my driving test or get a job interview or find that £10 note that I have lost which I really need. All those situations and many others will bring an anxiety because we genuinely don't know what the outcome is going to be. Will I pass this driving test and will I find that £10 note? And that's all very understandable and reasonable. But some of you feel anxious a lot of the time. It's like a background noise where the volume goes up and down, but never quite shuts off. And wherever you are at, I trust that this morning you will know afresh that God is with each and every one of us and that breakthrough is always possible. So I just want to pray before I move on any further and just ask God to come and minister and actually do some things. (laughs) Father, I thank you so much that you are an amazing shepherd and I thank you that we are your sheep and you are the very best shepherd there could ever be. You know each one of us. You leave the 99 to go after the one and bring the one back in. God, that's the kind of God you are. You have a heart that pursues us. And Father, we come to you as your sheep. We come to you as your children. And we submit ourselves again to the God who is our Father and is almighty. It carries amazing strength. It's sovereign, has a plan and a purpose, and also knows each one of us intimately. And I pray, O God, would you draw near to every anxious heart this morning. Would you come and break in and bring peace, O God. Would we hear your voice through the words that I say, O Lord. Would you breathe over them so that life would come to each and every one of us, I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, what does the Bible say about anxiety? Well, first of all, it says, take action. And two verses that help us. Firstly, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So what's all this stuff about casting? Well, the Greek word means either toss or hurling or flinging in a sudden motion, a bit like, you know, a fisherman with a line and a rod, sort of flinging it out as far as they can, or a a frisbee, if you're good at it, you can fling it and it can go into the far distance. If you're not very good like me, it lands too close for comfort. But if you're good at it, you can fling it, hurl it away, and it's off. And the word here, cast, suggests that we are active participants, not passive observers. And this is important that we understand that. But if we think that it starts with us, we've missed the point. Because actually what the scripture is saying is, cast your care on him, but where those words come from are from God himself. He's the one who's saying, giving those instructions, that guidance. And with that guidance comes a promise. That as we cast our anxiety on him, we will know his care. As we cast our anxiety on him, we will know his sustaining grace. He gives promises on the back of what he says. But we do need to be those who actively participate and co-partner with what God has said to us. God speaks. And he gives us a promise. And when God speaks, he always does so with authority, truth and grace. So let's not look inward to ourselves, but let's look outward and upward to him who supplies all our needs. Second thing is find a great mate. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Friends can't fix things. Only God can. But a friend can encourage, help us see things from a different perspective, speak truth, bring calm, help take away the loneliness and isolation that anxiety can bring. And they cheer us up. And we can sometimes be in a place where we receive that kind of friendship and at other times where we are friends to others. So let's be really good at looking out for one another and helping to bear one another's burdens. A couple of weeks ago, Marion Boland, who's a member of this church, she said to me one Sunday morning, "'Are you all right, Ruth? I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks.'" And uh, I thought in that moment, I can now choose to do that. oh, I'm fine thing. Or I actually could be a little more honest and tell her some of what was going on. So I I said to her about what's been happening in our family um, over recent months. And Marion just stood there and listened. And then at the end, she said, thank you. I now know how to pray. Gave me a hug and off we went. That conversation lasted less than 10 minutes. But I went away with my heart gladdened because a friend had come alongside, taken the time to just listen and then go away and say that she would pray, bearing one another's burdens. That was it. Small illustration, but very practical and very real, and I hugely appreciated it. Thirdly, watch your worry scale meter. Now, actually, the Bible doesn't say anything about worry, scale, meter. That's kind of my take on it. But we can find ourselves gradually increasing in anxiety without really realising it's happened until we're a long way down the path. So I just want to ask you, where are you at in your anxiety at the moment? Luke chapter 12 says this. Jesus said to his disciples... Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So Jesus here brings it down to life's basics. Food, clothes, our very existence. And he tells us it's absolutely pointless to worry about any of it. And in fact, worrying is only likely to be detrimental to our health. It certainly isn't going to add to it or improve it. Jesus here asks us to change our perspective and to start to focus again on him and on the kingdom of God rather than worrying about what we're going to eat or drink. So cast from your minds what you're going to have from lunch just at this moment. Again, Jesus is calling us to action. There's something here we need to do. Max Liccardo, a Christian writer, puts it like this. Become a worry slapper. Treat frets like mosquitoes. Do you procrastinate when a blood-sucking bug lights on your skin? I'll take care of it in a moment. Of course you don't. You give the critter the slap it deserves. Be equally decisive with anxiety. It's not exactly poetry, but it makes the point, doesn't it? So... I'm going to see loads of you slapping your arms and legs. Sometimes where we need to start is to ask God to highlight for us, where does the anxiety begin? And often we can end up a long way down the track when the pattern is set in and we don't realise we are actually having anxious thoughts or being in a place of being anxious until we're a long way down. The worry scale meter's gone off there where actually we could have stopped it here, but we need to work in partnership with God. So ask him, are there any triggers for you that start off this anxiety? The challenge is too often we don't ask God. (laughs) And he knows us really well. He knows the things are weaknesses that are likely to kind of trigger off this anxiety. So fourthly, we come to pray about everything. Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is kind of goes alongside part three. Worry scale meter, so what do we do? Pray about everything. I used to, well I still do, think that fridge magnets are a bit twee, but if I could have done it, I would have got a box full of fridge magnets with that verse on and given them all to you as a free giveaway. Now I haven't done it, partly because I think it's all very well just slapping it on your fridge and reading it, but actually this is saying that we need to do something, we need to take action. Everything to God in prayer, the small, the huge and overwhelming, and all the stuff in between. Every situation, present your request to God. It's part of our Christian faith, actually, it's part of following Jesus. And the amazing thing is that God gives us his Holy Spirit as our helper to come alongside and fuel our prayers, to give us some direction partner with us to go to God with all the things that we need to and frankly if most of our prayer life consists of Holy Spirit help me that's okay that really is okay I mean you might not want to stop there but that is a good place to be because it's all about being dependent on God We don't want to be self-sufficient. We want to be those who are increasingly dependent on God. And if we are presenting our request to him in every situation, our dependency on him will grow. And that has got to be a good thing. It's actually what God wants. Matthew chapter 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first part of that says, come to me. It's an invitation for us to come and spend time with God and know again that he is the one who wants to work with us and be intimately involved in every aspect of our lives Come to me. Present your prayers in every situation to God. So what do we do with our anxious thoughts? To be or not to be? Well, firstly, we need to win the battle in our mind. And Luke, who preached last week with Martin, helped us see that we can sometimes fall into the trap of believing lies. And it can be the same as it was with purity, can be the same here with anxiety. We can believe things like, I've always been anxious, so why would that change? Or, I don't like being out of control, worrying makes me feel more in control. I don't think it's that big a deal compared to other stuff, why not? Or whatever your thing happens to be. Do you know one of the challenges with stuff like that, that we can be saying to ourselves or have believed that others have said over us, is that gradually it can build up this thing in our heads. I don't. Well, before this last week when we seemed to go back to winter, before that we were beginning to enjoy the first signs of spring. And one of the things that I quite like seeing and hearing is are birds building nests and hearing their song. In fact, at the moment, we can hear a woodpecker at the back of us. He's drilling like mad. I don't think he's had much success yet. But whatever bird it is, there's a job they need to do this time of the year. And they need to build a nest. They don't kind of just drop out of the sky. They need to do some work. And um, usually, nests are built a twig at a time. Have you got the slide there? (laughs) Um, So, Exhibit A. And um, it takes some work, one twig at a time. But there's no doubt that by applying that principle, a twig at a time, a nest evolves. Now, the thing is, with lies or half-truths, they can come into our minds a twig at a time and seem inconsequential. It's just a little thing. But actually, once they take root and the number of them come together, then you find that there is something that is in your head that then becomes a nest or a stronghold, whatever word you want to use. And we need to get better identifying those lies and half-truths. Let me tell you something. Don't believe everything you think. Is that right? Okay? We need to... Start identifying the lies and then rejecting them. Now that's all very well, but if you are have a pattern of thinking in your head, it's very difficult then to stop like a switch, turn it off, and move on to something else. But there's a way to help with all of that. Excuse me, my notes have slightly got older. And I want to quote scripture, okay. This is what helps with this whole process of moving from lies to truth. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the scripture indicates to us that what we need to do is kick out the rubbish, reject it and replace it with thinking about other things. It's a lot easier to be thinking about something that's good, honourable, true, all the rest of what that verse indicates, rather than thinking about the lies and the rubbish that too often we can tell ourselves, which then can take hold. We need to be, uh, have our mind renewed, all of us, we, we need our mind renewed. And part of that is taking hold of other things to replace the rubbish with the good. Now, that is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. Like that nest, it doesn't happen immediately. It's a process. And we need to get hold of this and engage in that process with God. So, the second thing. I mean, there's so much more I could say with that, and I realise that that's very quick. But I would honestly encourage you to, if it's not something that you've realised before, is to start talking to God about what lies my believing, and what do I need to start believing. That's true. Secondly, learn to overcome fear. Much of our anxiety comes from our fear. Fear. That helps to recognise this and then ask the question, what am I afraid of? What's the fear that's triggering the anxiety? We need to look underneath and see what is going on. Am I afraid of the future? The unknown? Being found out? Failure? Spiders? Enclosed spaces? Whatever your thing is. You know, a whole lot of fears will trigger anxiety. We need... To tell God what we are afraid of. He knows anyway. We're not giving him information that he's not aware of. But we are communicating with him on a process. And one of the things we need to do is be honest with God and say to him, this is what I'm afraid of. This really is what I'm afraid of. We rarely win the battle with fear by trying to pretend it's not happening and walk away. We become more than conquerors, which is what the scripture says we are, by walking through our fear with God. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, helps us here. When we pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So if you're afraid of those fears, God's saying... This is what I will do. I will not allow it to overwhelm you. The core of believing in God is having trust. And we we get the whole trust, I need to trust Jesus for my salvation. But actually, we need to trust God for our everyday stuff that's going on around us. God leads us, He will never abandon us. Third thing, gather some weapons. So, first of all, in your weapon gathering, get hold of some verses that help you in those anxious moments. So, for example, if you are uh, afraid of your future because you feel, this is so uncertain, I don't know what's going to happen. Very well-known verse in Jeremiah chapter 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Secondly, find a worship song that helps you focus on God rather than your anxiety. One of my favourites, the band are going to sing it through for us in a moment, is God I Look To You, I Won't Be Overwhelmed. It's a great song, but it helped me massively with one of my fears, which induced a certain amount of anxiety. I used to dread flying in an airplane, dread it. And I was at, um, well actually I'd gone out in a meeting and I walked back in and the speaker said something like, you don't conquer your fear by ignoring it, you conquer your fear by walking through it with God. And I thought, well that's nailed me, hasn't it? I was about to go on a flight to Albania and I was not looking forward to it at all. But I really began to talk to God about this fear and about him breaking in and overcoming it. And I... Um, the tickets were bought I had no choice I was going on this plane and actually as we flew over Albania which is where we were going that song was playing in my earphones and as I looked down I saw things from a different perspective and this has become a bit of a song for those anxious moments other times as well I don't just sing it when I'm anxious God I look to you I won't be overwhelmed God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed Give me vision, to see things like you do God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from Give me wisdom, you know just what to do for us so firstly get hold of some scripture get hold of a worship song thirdly use the sword of the spirit so Ephesians chapter 6 says take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so without going over Tim Green's sermon in September when he he talked about this do get hold of the fact that God gives us weapons read We all need to read our Bibles. Get filled with the Spirit again and again. They're gracious gifts God gives to us. Anxiety deserves a hard time, so give it one. Thirdly, pursue joy. Now, why talk about joy and along anxiety? Because I'm firmly convinced that the more joy we have in our lives, the less room there is for anxiety. So if we get hold of joy, and after all, it's the fruit of the Spirit, then anxiety is going to have less room to occupy. Andrew Wilson, who's a great um, Christian teacher and uh, author, he came up with this thinking and named it joy fuel. So gather things that bring you joy. So he would have on his list things like walking beside the beach. We might have walking beside the river here. Or, you know, being outdoors, um, having a worship song, watching the Lighthouse skit on YouTube, or sending the card to someone, having a phone conversation with a friend, whatever it is that brings you joy, do it. Now, our primary source of joy is, of course, the joy of our salvation. But in addition to that, God gives us these pleasures, these joys that help us in the fight against anxiety, Fourthly, look to God. Have His perspective rather than our own. Some years ago, I had to have surgery on my leg, and at the time, there was a surgeon in the church called Bumi, and he was going to do the op. It's, it's weird knowing your surgeon. And um, he, uh, on the day of the surgery, I was down in the room just outside the operating theatre, and they put those little sticky things on to monitor your heart. And somebody came out from the operating theatre and said, oh, we're just going to be a minute. And so they closed the door. And so I was lying there and hearing my own heartbeat, that is weird. And the more I was aware I was listening to my own heartbeat, the more I could tell that the heart rate was increasing. My anxiety levels were going up. The nurses were aware of it as well because they took the sticky tabs off and then tried to engage me in conversation. And I just said, is Boomy in the operating theatre? And they just said, Yes. And then the door opened and I heard him laugh. And I thought to myself as I'm lying there, about to go into theatre, thinking, there's a man who is confident in his own God-given abilities. What am I worried about? Next thing I knew, I was in recovery. You know, and I thought about that afterwards, and I thought about God who knows every time we are going through testing times and trials, he is the one who knows everything. Everything. Nothing throws him. He sits on his throne and he probably laughs some of the time. Because he is totally in control, nothing catches him out by surprise. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, even when we're in the difficult moments. We can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do? do to me? Having a God perspective rather than our own. We need to know that most of the things we're anxious about don't happen anyway, (laughs) or they turn out differently than we think. Our anxiety doesn't make any difference at all. Our prayers do, but our anxiety doesn't. And we can always be certain of God who never fails, never changes, never lets us go, always loves us, always has a plan and a purpose. We can be confident in him every moment and every day. Billy Graham said this, we're quoting a bit from him at the moment, but it's a good quote. I've read the last page of the Bible, it's all going to turn out all right. (laughs) If you remember nothing else, brothers and sisters, remember this, it's all going to turn out all right. So take a deep breath, look again at him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who declares that we are more than conquerors and nothing will separate us from the love of God. Would you just like to stand, I'll pray, and then um, we'll come to a close. Father, I want to thank you that we sang that song in our worship I can't see a way through, was the line. But I thank you, God, that you always can. Lord, you never abandon us. It's not somehow you've left us and we've got to make it through on our own. But you go before us. You go behind us. You support us. You are our strong tower, our rock. Lord, what should we fear? What can mere mortals do to us when the Sovereign One who made the heaven and the earth who planned our salvation, has brought us into relationship with himself, that very one has his hand on our lives. And you never let go, God. You never let go. So Father, as we just stand before you now, we want to give our anxious thoughts to you. Lord, we're not immune to them. We will will go through stuff that brings anxiety. But we don't have to be defined by our anxiety. We are defined by you and the life that you put within us. So, God, I pray, come and breathe on our hearts. Come and bring fresh life, God. Where some feel despair, I pray, bring hope. Where some feel, I can't do this, I pray that they would know that you are there upholding them. I pray, O God, that you would move in our lives, that we would become a people celebrating and rejoicing in spite of our circumstances, God, but knowing that you are with us. And, Lord, for every anxious, burdened heart, I pray, O God, would you come and draw alongside, lift burdens this morning, I pray, Lord. Would this be a day of breakthrough? I pray that people would not know they're on their own, that you are there for them, with them. You never, ever abandon us. God, I thank you so much for your gracious mercy. Amen. 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 Amen.